Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Ahoy and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It will be a lonely voyage without you. My shipmate this week is the presenter of another excellent podcast, uh, John Rain, who presents Smashpod. John, welcome. Hello, thank you. Thank <laughs> hello, you hello, welcome. Me. So when I invited you on my Howard's Way podcast, <laughs> after you stopped laughing, um, yeah. what, what, what were your thoughts? Um, memories. Did you, so you watched it when you were young? Well, forcibly. <laughs> yeah, I used to go around to a friend's house, because it was Sunday evenings, wasn't it? And it would kind of be the thing you're shackled to. And I can't remember what, but I think something was on like after. Like Terry Waite on a radiator. Exactly. <laughs> That's how you remember how so it was. So it was like, oh God, when is this going to end? Okay. There must have been something on after it, and I don't, I don't remember what it was. Were you allowed to stay up that late? This is like 7.45 on a Sunday evening. Yeah. Were you? Yeah. I Crazy. What year did this start? Uh, 85. We're in 85 at the moment. Okay, yeah. so I'd have been probably eight, maybe eight or nine or ten. Yeah. Whenever, because it went on for years, didn't it? Yes, it did, though, literally years, yeah. <laughs> I'd have been around at a friend's house, and there must have been on something on afterwards, so I remember sitting there thinking, God, when is this going to end? Uh, I need to find out what was on afterwards now. Yeah. Something even more inappropriate for young yeah, probably, John to be Probably like Jim will fix it or something. <laughs> no, no. no. Certainly not this time and not on a Sunday. And this is 1985. We're now up to episode four yes. in the first series. And you joined the story. I don't know if you remembered any of it at all, but you joined the story at a very dramatic moment. Very dramatic. So did you know anything about this woman who's just jumped in the sea? No. <laughs> okay. So she's so Abby, who is the unhappy, dowdy daughter of Polly, mm. the um, the rather... How would we describe Polly? She's a... Uh, Promiscuous, drunk, a lush, massively flirtatious, yeah, and uh, and generally a bit of a one. Mm. Um, yeah, Abby has a very unhappy daughter. She's depressed. Uh, she has a dark secret, and she's just flung herself in the Solent. So yeah, so we join her being rescued by Leo, who's the son of the main character Tom Howard. Yeah, and um, <laughs> the first the first thing we see in this, in this episode is the two of them like beached fish on the on the shore, trying to spit up the, the, most of the sea that they just swallowed. And Abby says, when, when Leo asks her if she's okay, she says, I'm a bit wet. And he replies, that makes two of us. And mm. I'm just wondering if it was the scriptwriters having a little joke with us. Yeah. <laughs> they're like the two wettest characters in the whole show. I've got questions, actually, because you say this is in a fictional place called Tarrant. Yes, throw, throw all of your questions at me. I'm ready. I know everything. Okay, so how do we know that's back you know, onto the Solent? 
Where, whereabouts are we thinking Because here? we know it's based on the south coast. They take day trips to the Isle of Wight, which is across the Solent. Yeah. And the location they film in is on the Hamble Estuary, which is the river that feeds into the Solent. The small stretch of water between the mainland and the Isle of Wight. Is it named after Chris Tarrant? See, no, no, I don't think so. But then I don't know. I don't know what the thinking was, actually. I, I need to know the origins of the name. Um, I'm going to have to find out. But yeah, Leo is wandering around the beach doing what we don't know. He's going for a walk on the beach, which is what you do when you live in Tarrant. You've got literally nothing else to do. Before you had the internet. There's no internet, there's no phones. He's got a motorbike and and a leather jacket. That's literally all he's got. So sometimes... Now he'd have probably been at home and she'd have drowned. He'd have been like at home watching, (laughs) I don't know, Call of Duty. Yes, probably. He'd he'd have been playing some kind of a... Maybe, I don't know, what were the games consoles in 85? Like, what would he have been playing? Spectrum. Yeah. He'd have been playing a Spectrum or a Commodore. He has neither of those things. Um, his interests are ecology and helping people. He's really boring, isn't he? <laughs> some might say boring, some might say um, really empathetic and kind to others. I mean, you know. I'd say boring. Okay, fine. He's very lucky that he's uh, zeroed in on the other most boring person <laughs> in the world. So. I don't think that was an accident. I think <clears throat> they found each other because they're both um, in need of another dimension. Maybe that's the only way he can pick up chicks is by walking along there seeing if anyone jumps in the solar. <laughs> now, do you think this is something he's done before? Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. Well, he, knew, he had it down, didn't he? He was like, get on the back of my bike. I've brought a spare helmet. We're going home. I've got clothes for you. Yes. Sit by this fire. Yeah. If she'd have looked down on the floor, there's probably chair marks from the last woman that was there. <laughs> it's not a fire, John. It's an arger. Arger. Yeah, he All opens right. the door to the arger that she may better dry herself. Did he buy it in the arger catalogue? <laughs> no. Is he like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs? Like next week in well, Howard's Way. Well, now I think he is. Next week in Howard's Way, does he have a sofa to get in the back of a lorry and a bad arm? <laughs> Help me. Was she a big fat person? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I, well, I, now I'm imagining he's got like a lock-up somewhere and all kinds of horrible things. He's got the classic serial killer profile yeah. because he's got an unhappy home life. He lives at home with his mum. Yeah, and she's got the classic won't-be-missed-victim profile. Yeah, she has, actually. So this is all <laughs> feeding into my theory. That this, he, this is shaping up to be a whole other show. Yeah. Okay, fine. Well, yep. you know, it's a theory to mull on as we, as we carry on. But when she falls in the water, it's backed by the Miami sound machine. No, it is. It's like Mike Post. Yeah. I made a note of this. The music is so, like, suddenly action synth mm. as she's, like, got, trying to pull the seaweed out of her mouth and she's thrashing around. Because and... in, in this period in America, if this music was used, it would be a cop car going through cardboard boxes. <laughs> but because it's Britain, it's a lady falling in, a, in, in the sea. <laughs> Well, you see a lady. Well, she is a lady. <laughs> she, she is. She's a person of the female persuasion. She's that's, not a girl. No, no, that's true. You know. No, because she's been to finishing school. And when you come back from finishing school, you come back a woman. See, I guessed that. Yeah, you did. You could, you could just see by looking Again, at I've her, profiled her. <laughs> I'm really scared of you now. I, I also like the way he rubs her back quite horribly. <laughs> He's getting the seawater out of yeah, her Yeah, but lungs. to the point where she turns around and goes, I'm all right. <laughs> she doesn't, though, because she's an idiot. <laughs> Anyway, she's been saved. She's now uh, she's drying off in front of an arga in a stranger's pullover, mm. um, and um, and for now everything's all right. Uh, meanwhile, we meet Jack and Bill, who are in the pub yeah. smoking cigars and drinking scotch, as, as Jack always is. Mm. And there's a really oh, one of my favourite lines. So Jack is the owner of the boatyard. You'll meet the boatyard later. Yeah. Um, it's a character in the show. It's not a building. It's a, it's actually a person. Um, Jack and Jack and Bill work at the boatyard together. Jack owns it, and Bill is like his right hand man, man and boy. Thirty years he's worked there, and so this kind of ponce, clearly down from London for the day, walks up to the bar where they're drinking. Kind of waggles his eyebrows at them. He's wearing kind of a silly sailor's hat, and then wanders off again. And Jack uh, gruffly says to Bill, <laughs> "Weekend matalols." <laughs> I just thought it was delightful. Hmm. Um, he doesn't like these types who come down and are part-time sailors and not proper, bloody, boat-loving dudes that's, like he is. That's it. And then a little bit of a, a return to Leo and Abby by the Arga. Still still, not, still, still wet, still not yeah. drying out. Yeah. 
And then there's a scene between Avril and Tom. So at this stage, do you know who anybody is or are you just like lost? No, I'm literally picking up the pieces at this point. So Avril and Tom, to contextualise, Avril is Jack's daughter. She used to live in London, is now back in Tarrant, uh, is far too sophisticated, too good for this place, but sort of for some reason has felt the pull of home and decided to come back to the people and the place she knows best. And she, her dad has recently taken on a partner in the boatyard, Tom Howard. So Avril and Tom all say there's a little frisson between them. Nothing's happened, but they certainly do get on very well. And they sit in the office and nick some of her dad's secret scotch stash and kind of talk about the future of the boatyard. And then we <laughs> then we go back to Abby, who, I mean, she never stops moaning. Abby's only sort of uh, MO in this in this show. She's so Abby far. negative. <laughs> she really is. Mm. That was almost a good joke. Thanks. <laughs> Eight out of ten. Thanks. Um, she says... She says of her mother's disregard for her, you can't wear me, you can't show me off, so I'm useless to you. And her mother calls her a trollop and sends her upstairs to And she says, you don't even like me. And I think that's true. I don't think anyone likes that. Well, I was going to say, that sounds like a really sort of, you know, I hate you, you're my mum type thing. But then her mum literally says that later. (laughs) I don't even like her. No, and she doesn't like her. She doesn't like her family. She doesn't really like Tarrant. She doesn't like any of the people there. People in Tarrant only care about boats, status, drinking and fashion. That's all they care about. But also her mother at this point, when she calls her a trollop, uh, she looks over to the li- mm-hmm. living room and there's a gentleman in there drinking yes, there an alcoholic drink. <laughs> and I think at what time of day we don't know. But we don't know. Yeah. It's unspecified. But mm. then Abby does say that does say that it makes two of us in the family or something like that. Yes, no, more than one in the family more is probably family. too many. Yeah, and Polly's um, taken back by this. Well, she is. But you know, call a spade a spade, Abby. Your mum is a is a bit of an old slag. If you don't mind um, saying so, she, she's a whore. <laughs> She certainly doesn't make a secret of the fact that she's constantly uh, setting up assignations with men. Um, Her husband's never there. We still haven't met her husband. We are four episodes into this first series. He's only talked about... He's also... It's it's mentioned earlier in the series that he maybe isn't that sort of faithful in the marriage either. But Mm. we haven't met him yet, so we can't judge. Um, But she behaves appallingly throughout and uh, comes on to pretty much every character with legs. And a thingy. That's that's kind of what she does. Well, we don't know if she's also attracted to the ladies. Well, I mean, not so far, but I wouldn't put it past her. No, I wouldn't. I mean, you know, <laughs> I was about to say any holds a goal, but that's probably inappropriate. Mm. Um, so anyway, then there's this curious thing which was begun in the previous episode of Howard's Way. There's a character called Davy who works in the boatyard, who is the only Asian character in the whole show. In fact, he's the only character who's not white in the whole show yeah. uh, at this point. And we see him encountering workplace racism. So, you know, frankly, for me, in 85, the fact that anyone was even raising that as an issue, I find quite surprising. I suppose maybe a show like EastEnders, which started the same year, may have been already looking at this these kind of subjects. But I don't think just a regular Sunday night drama would have bothered. So I, I don't quite think impressed. Grange Hill tackled this to the late 80s. No, they didn't, did they? No. So I think that's that's something in its favour. Also, they made they made the choice to have the person who's essentially being racist to this Davy guy. The fellow who's sort of egging him on is sitting there on his break drinking yeah. beer. Oh, that's right now. So yeah. drinking happens throughout the day in Tarrant. No one really is far from a pint at most most times of the day. But yeah, yeah, I think that that's a moral judgment right there. I mean, they're beer. suggesting that Davy's untarranted. <laughs> well, no, the thing is, I think Davy was born in Tarrant. I he think does, he, he says that. And, um, but I mean, you know, I think, you know, he doesn't suffer fools and I respect him for that. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jan, who is Tom Howard's wife, yes. did you follow that much? I did. Very fashionable lady, always wearing fashion slacks. She's very, you know, she has angular hair and amazing earrings and, you know, interesting and voluminous clothing. She's gone to Southampton because she's decided to throw herself into a career. She's a former housewife who's now decided, sod everything, I'm going to be a career woman. And that's the way she's gone. So her character's had this recent epiphany. But it does mean that she has to get her mum in from Chichester to cook the family tea 
because she won't be there to do it. And clearly yeah. her husband isn't willing to step into the boat. Well, he's wandering around the boatyard going, looking sort Meddling. of wistfully at the sea. Yeah, he keeps on sort of breathing in the boatyard and, and finding things wrong with it. And this is sort of setting up a tricky relationship between him and Jack, the owner of the boatyard, because Tom wants to bring in new methods and start being more efficient and, and, and getting the place making money. And Jack doesn't like the fact that he's sticking his oar in. See, every time we... Every recording, I can't get away from the boat puns. Hmm. I'm not going to apologise to them anymore. I'm just going to keep doing them now. Cox. Sorry, what? I just, uh, the boat pun. <laughs> you can't just shout that in the middle of a podcast. Well, I mean, you can. Um, <laughs> you failed to control your guests. <laughs> Fannies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, then we're back to a uh, scene between Polly and Jan. So Polly, Abby's mum, yeah. is actually a really good friend of Jan's. And um, the two of them don't seem to have that much in common, but Polly's always egging Jan on to flirt with her boss, who's this incredibly loose man in a polo neck called Ken Masters, who will come to in a minute. He's my two. He's one of my two takeaways from Howard's Way that okay, I remember. Do so you do Jan, remember- Jan and Ken are the ones I remember. What do you remember about Ken? He's a bit of a Jack the Lad. He is. He's basically the um, dirty den of Howard's Way, isn't he? Exactly. Yeah. Every yeah. every soap has to have its lovable trailer. rogue. Love. Do you did, do you think he's lovable? In this episode, he doesn't do anything too wrong. No, I suppose he not. He backs Jan, he gives her empowerment, which in the mid-80s is something that women don't actually have. True. Yeah, he's giving her responsibility at work and she likes that. But I think she's he's doing it for perhaps nefarious reasons. Yeah, but yeah I'd agree with I think he also does respect her. Because uh, he's shown to have a girlfriend really on in the series who is a, effectively a cardboard cutout. And so Jan's the first woman, I think, he's spent time getting to know who he actually sees a bit more in than just... You know, a pair of tits. So, <laughs> so Polly pops into the office to visit Jan to get mm. the dirt on what's going on between their children. So Abby is her daughter, Leo is her as Jan's son, and yeah. she's trying to work out if anything weird's going on because obviously her daughter turned up ringing wet on the back of some man's motorbike, and she wants to know what's happening. And Ken says about Polly, "There is a very naughty lady," mm-hmm. <laughs> which I thought was charming. <laughs> and she confesses that she doesn't like her daughter. Yes, exactly. Which is, you know, I mean, we we could already tell that by the way she was just utterly vile to her but it's the first time she says it out and out you know uh, in that naked way oh we should say at this point oh, ken arrives mm. sees these two ladies and gives the kind of eyebrow flicker like <laughs> i might be on here for, Diddly, a, for a bit of a threesome <laughs> yes yeah. yes I'm, sh- I'm sure he was thinking and that. polly uh, melts she'd be well up him. for it let's face it well she, she she is charmed by him even though he hasn't done anything yeah i think she sees a twinkle in his eye and uh, he sees one in hers I, I don't think they ever go there but they certainly enjoy you know, to, flirting. Yes, a bit, flirting. a bit of flirtation. Yeah, and, and we go, we go back to um, Tom and Jan's house, and obviously Tom is still having. He's he's basically gone behind his wife's back, bought into a boatyard, sunk all their savings into it. She's furious. Their their marriage is now going through a very rocky patch. On the rocks. It is on the rocks, in fact, and. And she comes back, she rushes in from, you know, late from work and her mother has cooked them a Chinese banquet, which I thought was the most delightful 80s thing ever. A succulent Chinese meal. So it was a so literally was that. She says it's a touch of the Orient. Spare <laughs> ribs, crispy noodles and rice. <laughs> which, you know, is incredibly yeah. exotic back then. I don't, I don't know about you. Did you ever have takeaways? Never. Never, ever. No. But I, even the idea of like getting somebody else to cook it and then buying it and bringing it home was alien to us actually attempting Chinese cookery at your house. Like, where did she get the ingredients? They didn't sell this stuff in, you know... Ken Hom? The co-op. Yes, I suppose... Maybe Ken Hom lived in Tarrant. Ken, Ken Hom was rising to prominence around this time. Yeah. Perhaps it was his cookbook. Um, <laughs> so Kate has cooked this lovely meal. Kate's Jan's mum. Yeah. She cooks in this incredible banquet. 
and Tom, rather unnecessarily, I feel at this point, snipes at Jan. It's nice to know someone still cares about the home, which is the it was probably the least sympathetic thing he said since this this show began. He's being such a twat about He's the horrible. fact that yeah, like he wasn't to start with. There were there were little clues dropped that he was perhaps a bit selfish or a bit of a daydreamer. Yeah. That's just out and out nasty. Mm. Like she's trying to work out how to maintain a lifestyle which she's come to enjoy, and she's decided to take the bit between her teeth and go and get a job. And he's actually really being horrible to her about yeah, it. Yeah, he's put her in a situation which is basically you're going to be this dowdy housewife while yep. I go and earn the money. Yep. She's decided to go out and earn some bread. <laughs> and I say full power to her. Do you remember the sitcom Bread? Yes. I didn't like it. Do you like it? Well, my bread podcast starts next week. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm washing my hair. I can't be on it. Sorry. Uh, you weren't going to ask me, were you? No. <laughs> Fine. So, uh, yeah, so the family are grudgingly eating this Chinese meal. Mm. Um, I think Lynn's always missing dinner now because she has to keep going off to her job at the yacht club. Yes. Um, which is where she goes to get sexually harassed by old sailors. More um, on that later. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, but she keeps missing dinner. And then we cut to a scene later where she's working at the yacht club and Polly's there getting soused on her own because, you know, she's got literally nothing else to do. Well, she, uh, and and um, Lynn gives Polly Abby's clothes. Oh, that's and right. She says, I've cleaned and ironed them. <laughs> because she's a girl and that's what I was going to say, I like do. the ironing touch. Yeah, Le- like, Leo didn't do that, even though, no, you know, he frankly... He, he was too busy chopping up his next victim. <laughs> but Lynn has made the effort of ironing them. <laughs> Polly clearly wishes, in, in some respects, wishes her daughter was more like Lynn. But yeah. then she says, because clearly Lynn is very pulchritudinous and beautiful, and whenever the producers can, they get her into a bikini, even though it's freezing. She's got a very tight top on on this thing. <laughs> She's always wearing tight tops, yeah. bikinis. I mean, she is... You know, she, she forgive me, but I am, you know, I'm flesh and blood. Hey, I noticed too. Okay, yeah. but no. So Lynn, she pops in, gives her a drink and the clothes back, and then Polly says, "In Lynn's hearing, if I had a daughter like you." And then after Lynn's gone, she kind of slugs the rest of her gin and goes, "I'd probably slash my wrists because mm. <laughs> clearly the idea that Polly had a daughter who was getting more action than she was would um, would would kill her inside." Yeah, she defines herself by sort of how men react towards her. Uh, and then there's a rather sad scene back at the Howard residence where Jan is cling filming the beef and oyster sauce yeah. and uh, and she and Tom kind of have a there's, there's reconciliation music I think it's always like a classical guitar or something Simon may put yeah. into the background here and there's a, a bit of a reproachment they chat well if, if this scene felt to me like Tom was basically saying I am jealous of the fact that you work for Ken Masters yeah and she was basically saying I'm jealous of the fact that you work with I've forgotten her name. Avril. Avril. Although on the um, obviously there's a DVD commentary on the um, on the box set that I bought. Right. Twice. I've two of them. Right. And I'm not weird. Keep um, it on two TVs at once. <laughs> yes, one yeah. for each eye. Yeah. And um, on the commentary, the the actors who play Ken and Jan uh, decided early on they'd call her Bovril, which I thought was very sweet. Uh, yeah. So Bovril has been set up for the, as, the, as the potential love interest for Tom, Ken. For Jan, so you know, it just it provides a, b- a bit more tension for that relationship. It was interesting here because Jan says that they drifted apart. And That's all... another boating pun, by the way. They seriously can't leave them alone in that. <laughs> and she says it all went wrong when Tom got his own way. I know Howard's way. Howard's way, way, which brings us back to the freaking apostrophe. It drives me spare. I know this has been discussed at length in other places, other forums on the internet, but it's Howard's plural apostrophe way that's the title of the show I only realised it about a month ago I'd always thought it was Tom Howard's way and they'd just taken the Tom off so I do not understand so you mean it's the family's way they're going their own way doesn't make any sense because otherwise I always assumed Mm. this was me as a child okay go on I always assumed the title Howard's way referred to the boatyard but it's called the mermaid boatyard yes but I didn't know that when I was a child mermaid's way 
I thought it just meant the boatyard is in Howard's Way. I see. Well, apparently it was originally called The Boat Builders. That's shit. And also they realised it was shit, but they also thought people might think it was a documentary and not watch. It should be called Boat Enders. <laughs> well, it started Boat the same Street. year and obviously had the, you know, the same composer. So, yeah. you know, they, they could have just gone that way. Boat side. Tweeted it as like East End. Keel side. <laughs> Any more? Any more? Boatadale Boat- Farm. Boatadale. <laughs> yes, no, this doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't <laughs> So over the Kling film Chinese Banquet, they mm. acknowledge they've drifted apart. Neither seems very able to do anything about it. And we kind oh, of um, leave them. Well, no, we suspension. don't because the, 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 the end of that scene is uh, Leo slamming the door. Well, he's and very she upset. Says, Can you see what this has done? <laughs> to our kind, sweet, and lovely, the wet Leo, <laughs> who's now become a serial killer because we argue a lot. Do you know what you did? Your <laughs> cunt, son. <laughs> Crikey! <laughs> he pushed a woman in the river. <laughs> Sorry, you can cut that out. <laughs> I said river. I mean, I meant to say sea. Estuary. So this this episode is actually really it was the bleakest one so far, apart from the fact that Leo is now on a killing spree and no one can stop him. Well, we also now cut to Nick. Oh my God, creepy Nick! I had forgotten all about him. I stay here to look at you all night. Yeah. So Lynn is now working in the yacht club. Her apparently a friend of hers. They must have clearly grown up in the same area. He's always hanging around the bar. He's called Nick. His only function really is there to, to kind of leer at Lynn. He looks make, about 38. He looks well. about 38. He kind of makes suggestive remarks all the time while talking to her tits. And it's all, all, it's all a bit bleak. And it's, quite, it, it's clearly building up to something. But, it, but he won't leave her alone. Some sort but of climax. Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but he won't leave her alone. And he suggests that because she's really, all she really wants to do is crew on a boat because daddy has sold her boat and she's really, really upset about it. Oh, I didn't um, realise that yeah, connotation. Right. So, uh, one of the that things makes Tom, sense. One of the things Tom had to do to buy the boatyard was sell the beloved boat that he had designed and built himself. Shit. Yeah. And it was like Lynn's favourite thing. It was like Lynn's best friend. Was it called Howard's Way? No, it was called the Flying Fish. The Flying Fish. That would have made sense if it was named after a boat. Yeah, no. They're, they're named after, in fact, then the next boat that Tom builds is called the Barracuda, also a fish. Yes, yes. Doesn't yeah. that get mentioned later on? Yeah, no, because he hasn't designed it yet. Oh, yeah. We can't travel in time. We simply can't. We have to stay in episode four. You're right, um, sorry. So, so, yeah, so she's putting up with Creepy Nick. Mm. Um, she's generally upset because all she cared about was going sailing on that bloody boat and now the boat's gone. So she's working at the Yacht Club to try and find another boat to sail on, uh, which is going to lead her down a, a tricky path. Anyway. Um, Leo shows up. Leo shows up. No, is this at the Yacht Club? That's yeah. right. He kind of prevents her from being raped by Creepy Nick. Basically. And, Nick and then, orders champagne. Oh, no, no, he says he wants to. I don't think they get... They, I thought he did. No, I think right at the end of the scene, he says, let's get a bloody bottle of champagne, go back to someone's house. Oh, and, yes, you're right. And yeah. bang the lot. And, and um, they kind of smirk at him like they're amused. But I don't think they actually... They're, they're, they're both too straight-laced to go you with You would that smirk if you were amused when you are quite frightened, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, like monkeys showing their teeth. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're just scared of him. Yeah. And then Abby briefly comes to see Leo at work. I think they go off on his motorbike together. So well, she clearly is, is softening towards him a bit, even though she's been quite brittle with him in the past. And we also get Jack grumbling with another man in the boatyard. Oh, now who's that? Who's he grumbling with? Some old fellow who works in the boatyard. He's telling him what Tom's Bill? planning to do. Yeah, with the scrap metal. Jack, Jack, and that's right. So Jack and Bill are constantly bitching about Tom, even though it's clear they haven't made any boats or money since like 1972. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are resistant to change, which is fine because dramatically that's 
Fine. It has to happen. Yeah, it does have to happen. Uh, but the next, the next big set piece of this episode is the Norton's Hog Roast. Well, which frankly, I'm sorry, I didn't get an invitation to. Well, no, we don't. That's we, we skipped a bit before Norton's Hog Roast. What have we roast. missed? Go on, what have I missed? Well, you've missed Jack storming into the office, livid that jo- jo- Tom spoke to the apprentice. Oh, that's and then right. storming out sorry, because we yes. get the reconciliation later. That's all. He you, blows you're his right. top. We have we can't miss important details like that. And then Bovril. <laughs> says, oh, he'll come round later, you're right. Yeah. He, he'll see you're right. Yeah, in two days' time, he'll say it's a good idea. Exactly. And what does he do? He does. But set yeah, your, then... You set your watch by him. Yeah, I mean, uh, but she says, he has a point, you should have spoken to him first before you made all these grand decisions. Yeah. And Tom's like, hmm. I don't think he made any decisions. I think he asked, could we do something about scrap metal? I think they're all overreacting a bit. And they all need to chill chill out and just let Tom do his thing. But then we get the bit, as you say, where Abby comes to Leo's work. Yeah. And Leo gets on his bike. And this is my favourite bit in the whole episode, right? <laughs> Go on. Because Leo says... Leo Sayer. <laughs> he says that he's going to take Abby away on his bike, you know, for a little chat. Yeah. And he turns to his boss and he says, I'm going now, Rita. Okay. And she says, bye. In bye. a way that says, fuck off. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> bye. She doesn't even say, no worries. See you later. No, bye. No. As if I hope you die. But that- <laughs> That happens in soaps a lot, though. Someone comes to your work to see you and you don't say, oh, no, I can't go, I'm at work. They just go, OK, I'm going to clock off a bit early. It's like you can't do if you've got like a shit part-time job at a petrol station. It's a British etiquette thing. It's like yeah. in American soaps when they're on the phone yeah. and they say, is that what going to happen? And they say yes. And they just hang up the phone. Yeah. British people are like, no, 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 you'd say goodbye. And they don't They don't make arrangements like, so So we'll go on a date? Yeah, that'd be great. And mm. they hang up. Yeah. Like, when? But if that was a British thing, okay, they'd be when? like, okay, then bye. I'll <laughs> yeah. see you at seven o'clock at the boat club. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It just annoys me. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Anyway, Abby and Leo go off on his motorbike. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken, meanwhile, has given Jan a lift home yes. after her trip to London. She's always wearing cream. I just keep writing this down. She's, she's a woman not scared of stains. And th- these are people who drank a lot of instant coffee. She's always wearing either mushroom, cream, beige. Like, I, I, can't, I can only wear dark clothes. I spill too much stuff. And Ken is a fun guy. He's, well, <laughs> I don't know what you're suggesting. Except I do and stop it immediately. Sorry. Anyway, the Norton's Hog Rose. We have to go to the Norton's Hog Rose. Well, yeah, I was going to say that the, the reason it's important that Ken's dropped her off is that the, the grandma, what's her name, Kate? Oh, Kate, yeah. She sees it. Yes, that's right. And she right. thinks, oh, here we go. She's playing away. Well, I think I think she notices that her daughter's head's been turned, and that's concerned her because she does really like Tom. She likes their the, the the two of them as a couple, and she doesn't want that to go wrong. But we please, can we go to the Norton's Hog Roast? I was going to say, then Tom comes in and oh, says, come we're, on! "We're all going to the Norton's Hog Roast, <laughs> like it's an exciting thing." Yeah, but sounds dude, sexy. It, have you ever been to a party this? And this looks like the party to be at. Also, in, by the way, can I ask oh, you a question? I'm God, sorry, we're ever going to we're going to get to the Hog Roast, but I need to ask you a question. Okay. Just say, for instance, <laughs> okay. we're in the pub, right? Yep. And someone mm-hmm. and and your husband comes storming in, 
and yeah. says, we're going to Norton's Hog Roast, right? <laughs> yeah. And you say, but I haven't got anything to wear. If I turn to you and say, don't worry, I'll lend you some jewellery, would that be enough? <laughs> it's like, but I can't just go there wearing jewellery. <laughs> I wanted it to be, when they get to the hog roast, I wanted Kate to be naked, apart from some jewellery. A necklace. Yeah, yeah I think it's a, it's a delightful throwback to the era that Dulcie Gray is from. She's the um, actor who plays Kate. She's mm. she's a 1940s film star. She was like a huge name in British cinema. Really? Yeah, and, and I think it's a lovely uh, touch that, she, you know, the only thing she's worried about is she's only wearing an incredibly neat, crisply ironed white blouse, a lovely cardigan and some super slacks and a rather smart pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I simply can't go out looking like this. It's like, of course you can. It'd be stupid. Also, before we get to Norton's hog roast. Oh my God, we're Kate, never going to get there. Kate was cooking a succulent, another succulent meal. <laughs> another one, And yeah. Jan was asking if she needed any help. And yes. She was basically going, no, I'm cooking this fucking meal. Mm-hmm. Get your fucking nose out of it. Yeah, and now no one's going to eat it because no they're going to eat. to eat hog roast. But now they go to Norton's hog roast. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> so Norton's hog roast, it turns out, is the party of the 80s because not only... Does it have a constant soundtrack of Go West, Nick Kershaw, all the hits of the age? It's Anthony Head's party. Giles from Buffy. It's the gold... Dude, he's not Giles. He's the gold blend guy. Yeah, you're right. He's not Giles from Buffy yet. We don't know what Buffy is. He is the gold blend man and he is hosting... Was he gold blend man at this time? I can't believe he wouldn't have been. He He looks like a child. Either he was already or... He was cast as the Goldblum Man because of his incredible performance in Howard's Way. I reckon it's the latter. Okay, well mm. then I, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Obviously, Lynn is immediately in a bikini. It's it's a freezing day in I'm guessing I was February. Say that swimming pool looks fucking freezing. Every exterior shot in Howard's Way looks absolutely perishing, um, and she's in a bikini whenever the producers can persuade her to be. She is resplendent by the pool, reclining, sort of talking to young men. Anthony Head is running the show. He's Phil Norton, and yeah. Lynn is keen to go to his barbecue because he owns a boat. And he sails in lots of big races and she's hoping to, you know, impress him with her sailing. Dare I say he's a playboy? I think you could say he's a playboy. I can't mm. see any other discernible um, stream of income. No. He just owns a house and is fabulous. Yeah. Drinks a lot of He's got of a swimming pool coffee. in England in the mid 80s. That's yeah, quite exactly. exotic. And a garden big enough to host a, a large barbecue with hog roast mm-hmm. and free bar. Mm-hmm. So, and everyone's drinking champagne. Like it looks pretty fancy. Exclusive. Yeah. They, they, the, the, whole family, <laughs> the whole family goes, apart from Leo, who's obviously uh, at Pensive Point with Abby discussing, you know. I've always called Pensive Point. I, you I've go called there it that. F- oh, you have? Yeah. I was going to say. I There's didn't... a couple of places where people in Tarrant go to think. There's like a sort of um, contemplation cops. Right. Which is near Pensive Point. And then if you go if you go beyond the, the trees, then you get to actual Pensive Point. I'm learning Sometimes things. you can have like a picnic there to talk about the future of your, you know, your boat or your child. Or sometimes you can go there and, and just there, be sad and quiet together. Is there a dogging Dell? <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably. Mm. Probably. In fact, I'm now wondering if Pensive Point's where Leo's buried all the victims. Absolutely. Shit. <laughs> If I was Abby, I'd have been a bit more interesting in Pensive Point because he literally shuts up for ages just to hear her moan. No, yeah, and and then they just sit there quietly. They come back later and they've just sat there saying nothing for like an hour. She's just been like, you haven't said anything for 25 minutes. And I thought, what a fucking raging date this is. (laughs) I don't know if either of them is seeing it as a date. But anyway, back at the banging party, in stark contrast to Abby and Leo's tete-a-tete, there's there's a lot of Go West going on. First of all, we hear We Close Our Eyes by Go West. We close our eyes. Thank you for that. You forget, they were some serious chances toppers back in the day yeah uh, also then eye to eye later on it's another one of the big hits off the go west album the yeah. album was called go west by go west the first album i ever bought interestingly on cassette wonderful first album i ever bought for my own bush walkman i hope you're writing this down from the, <laughs> the, the, the junior from rate the junior oh, race the like fact file <laughs> what was the first album you ever bought first album like for I yourself bought. like oh, um, you chose it for yourself bad michael jackson oh yeah so that was my brother's first one yeah so you see if this was looking <laughs> You're really filling your fact file. Did you read Looking? 
Yeah. I did every week. Because it was the TV magazine for kids, wasn't it? It was ITV's magazine. Yeah, yeah. yeah I used to get it because um, they always had good pullouts for like Street Hawk. They did. Superman 2. Oh. The Street Hawk one was great because it had, um, they gave you like a blueprint of the bike <gasps> about how it all worked and cool. all the buttons, what they did. Didn't did. they do that with Airwolf as well? I think they did. I think but I was more of a Street Hawk kid than Fair Airwolf. Enough. Sorry, everybody. No, no, that's fine. Everyone's I, always said to me, oh, shut up, Airwolf's better. I'm like, no, it's got Ernest Borgnine. I, I don't think you have to pick. And also, yeah, which one had Ernest Borgnine in? Airwolf. Yeah, there you go. But Stringfellow Hawk has now only got one leg. So String, uh, Stringfellow, Stringfellow Hawk? Yeah, that's the was Airwolf Was that his pilot. name? Yeah. His name was Stringfellow. Why didn't Not I remember that? Not the man who played him. The man who played no, him no, was the Jammer. character. Yeah, it was called Stringfellow Hawk. That's... How did I not remember that? I don't know. I always thought you'd been up on Stringfellow Hawk. Well, I thought I was, but now that, I'm the like... The Streethawk guy was called Jesse Max. That's like, right. Like Max is in speed and... That's right. That was like a gap in my knowledge about... That's amazing. Stringfellow Hawk. Stringfellow Hawk. What a shit name. Oh, we've skipped something important, actually. No, we haven't. We haven't even... We haven't even stopped... We haven't even had a first bite of a hog roast yet. Well, I was going to say Leo and Abby talk, uh, and she... Sorry, drops the bomb. Uh, yeah. She drops the bomb. Yeah. That um, she's only spent 17 hours with her dad. Oh, that's right. In her entire life. Mm. And then she breaks it down. She said she looked back at an old diary entry and it said, rather sadly, it's like Dickens. I, I spent 10 minutes with, with daddy today. 10, 10 minutes. Like, what did you talk about? Like, you just sit there looking like a slapped ass. Are you surprised? I'm, I'm guessing after a while he just went, well, yeah. <laughs> same time next week. <laughs> slapping his knees. Well, it was lovely to see you. Um, yeah, but she says that her mum is horrid and disgusting and then slut yeah. shames her. Yes, she does. But, you know, I don't think that's unfair, is it? If I was Leo, I'd be thinking, oh, I can't give her a ring, actually. <laughs> if I took your mum to Pensive Point, I'll tell you what, you wouldn't see my ass. <laughs> Oh yeah, a, a blur. I, see, I, I, I think Leo's a virgin. I don't think he's well, he been, is, but sometimes, yeah. you know. Um, anyway, so Go West is still giving it some at the. Uh, they're not actually there, but like the, there's two DJs. They might as well be there. There's two DJs dressed in white in a gazebo, a white gazebo, and you just keep on seeing them out of the corner of the yeah. shot, and they're kind of dancing very badly, trying to look like they are the life and soul of the party. Like, just play the records and stand still. You look stupid. Is this while um, Tom's talking to Roy Evans from EastEnders? Now, yes. Yeah. Now this is where I obviously since starting to watch Howard's Way again and get really quite involved in it. This is one of my six degrees of separation from Howard's Way. So Roy from EastEnders is played by an actor called Tony Caunter. Tony Caunter plays Dave in this episode, just this episode. I was doing this one. He's an old business friend of Tom's and he advises him about sort of boats and design and what, where the gap in the market might be because yeah. Tom is trying to think future and what the business could do next. And, um, and Tony Caunter used to be in the RAF with my dad. No. Seriously. No way. No, I'm not even joking. That's yeah. amazing. I know, I know. I know every time every time one of those comes up I get really excited later I'll tell you about the boiler engineer last week who came to service my boiler and he was a mate of Maurice Colborne who plays Tom Howard actual mates shit like I'm not even joking shit no seriously so where I live I live in East London and the nice British gadget engineer turned up he's called Eugene hi Eugene he was a really really nice man and he said actually I live literally just around the corner he pointed to his road which is the road that comes off mine yeah and he said I've been living here for about 30 or 40 years I, and I started saying something about mortgages and I said I've just been watching this show where all the characters in it are in their 40s they've paid off their mortgages can you imagine he was like what shows that I said well it's uh, it's interesting you should ask it's Howard's Way and he said um, oh Howard's Way I know that I was like no you don't surely most people have forgotten it and he said me and Morris Colborne he used to come to my house and pointed at his house and we used to play cards and I was like I am living 10, ten yards away from where one of my heroes used to play poker 
In the 80s. Didn't he die in France? He did, very sadly, yeah. He, he didn't um, actually make it to the end of Howard's Way. Howard's Way had to carry on without him. There's a very sad Wikipedia dreadful. entry about that, actually. Yeah. It says he died in the arms of his family. Yes, um, so he was on a break in filming. It's the saddest thing ever, and it was, it was a huge deal at the time that he was the centre of the show, yeah. and then suddenly he wasn't there anymore. But yeah, he was in a break from filming in Malta, and he went to his holiday home in France, and he, just, he was a very fit, healthy man in his late 40s and just keeled over one day of a heart attack, and that was that. How did, sorry to ask, because you're probably going to cover this later on but how did they cover that in the program well i mean they had to obviously um he was in the show he was filming in malta his character was away in malta they must have had some filming deal with malta because they kept going to malta right one of the series series five and while his character was in malta the all the other characters came back it was at the end of series five and his character was uh they said still off doing business in malta and would be delayed he was staying there to work on a boat design with somebody out there. And then at the very end of the series, the news comes that Tom has been lost at sea or he's, or he's been drowned at sea. Oh, my and goodness. And they had to act all of that. And then they were all really close, really good friends. And they had to act that awful storyline, knowing what had really happened, obviously. So how many more series did they get out of it? They did one more series after he right. went. And it was, which I think was right and proper that they stopped. Actually, weirdly, Maurice Colburn dying was probably one of the first, because I think my grandparents I was quite young when they died it was one of the first deaths I was aware of like a really famous person who was important to me suddenly it was like it was quite a shock I was 10 I was like oh my god he's dead Jesus yeah sorry to derail you wow we can't go back to the hog roast now it's like we're always welcome champagne. The, we're always welcome the hog roast <laughs> and Norton's hog roast the champagne's gone flat everyone's feeling a bit sad so Tom's talking to Roy Evan Smith Stenders that's right. Yeah. This is the middle of the party. Roy from EastEnders, Tony Caunter, is mm-hmm. giving him advice about what kind of boat he might want to design. There's loads more go west. Um, Polly obviously makes another beeline for Tom because she's probably had a few glasses. Touches his pecs. She does. Now, she actually gets quite physical with him. Yeah, and yeah. He, he doesn't like it. It's a bit creepy. And I liked that moment because he could have been very much like, oh, yeah. my marriage is in trouble. Yeah. But no, he doesn't falter. No, but I think I, he wouldn't. Um, he doesn't really find people like Polly attractive I think anyway but he's always very gentlemanly and humours her but kind of keeps her gently at arm's length and she knows not to push it too far yeah. and also it's her best friend's husband even she has got some sort of well she probably hasn't got any qualms about it but she doesn't she never pushes it too far and meanwhile Phil Norton invites Lynn sailing with him which is what she really wants but obviously what she really wants and what he really wants I think are already obviously going to be two different things yeah Leo offers to take Abby to the Isle of Wight he does, which isn't a euphemism. He just really no. wants to take her to the Isle of Wight. Why not? I bet he knows all the best places like Black Gang Chine. Needles. The Needles Park. Like he could do that coloured sand thing where you get like a glass ornament and fill it with layers of sand. I had I one that was that. the shape of a guitar. So did you actually fill it yourself? Yeah. Me too. And I went to the glass blowing factory there. Yeah. Me In fact, too. I think I watched my thing being blown, as it were, uh, to put the sand in. <laughs> and we went on the chairlift. I went on a school trip. With- Terrifying. terrifying it just Did wobbles it? It, it just swings side yeah. to side i think it's still running but i wouldn't go on it now no. have you paid me imagine the safety things in i went on there in 1988 imagine yeah, how much well. attention they paid to safety in those days <laughs> i'd say it was zero so all my family holidays were seeing grandparents down there there's plenty to do if you're really little but i can't imagine i mean i imagine leo is going to take Abbey to some lovely nature reserves and, you know... Something very boring. Up up tennis and down or something. He'll take her up tennis and down. Well, it'll be exciting for Abby because <laughs> she's a very boring person. <laughs> she's somewhere else to stand and brood windily out to sea. Anyway, so the end of the barbecue sees Lynn getting what she wants. Tom's got a, sort of the, the fire in his rocket now to go off and do something really exciting. I love this bit because he walks... Jan's having a tete-a-tete with off. Kate. Yes. He comes over and basically says, I'm fucking bored, I'm yeah. going home. <laughs> yes. That's right. He's like, you've got the car keys, haven't you? Yeah. And he just he just pisses like, off. I'm like, I think I might walk. <laughs> like, fuck you. It's just, it's just another way of underlining that he really is going 
Howard's way. He's, You're right. He's, He's just not with the family anymore. He really couldn't give a tinker's cuss about them. Uh, and to the sounds of Wouldn't It Be Good by Nick Kershaw. Um, and Jan kisses him. She runs up as the chorus surges. Yeah. She grabs him, kisses him, and then Polly says something really poisonous about, you know, there's the actors of woman who's about to go off and cheat on her husband. That's right. Ooh. I mean, she's perceptive. I'll give her that. Mm. Tom wanders off. On the next day, uh, we are on the Mickey Mouse which is um, a slightly unlikely name for Phil Norton's boat. But anyway, his boat, for good or for bad, is called the Mickey Mouse. I'm guessing that's just the only boat they could get and they weren't allowed to change the name. Really unfortunate camera placing in this scene as well. <laughs> it kind of looks like she's wanking him off. <laughs> or when she's like, winding the... She's winding the thing, <laughs> but they show it from chest height. So he's sitting to the left of her and she's yeah. doing that with her arm. I don't think that was an accident. I don't think it I was. I think it just underlines his intent in the scene as opposed to hers. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to sail the shit out of this. You're going to like recruit me for the fast net race. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm going to... Well... Yeah. 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 Anyway, so she's out sailing. She's doing her darndest to impress him. He is impressed, but not for the reason she's hoping. No. And and then we're back to the mermaid yard. Mm. I noticed this time as well. I'm just, I'm it's all I can do to stop myself trying to find these things in junk shops now. But the mermaid yard has a really nice like boxed frame of just like knots on the wall that I keep seeing and thinking yeah. I'd love that in my mm, maybe bathroom or office. I can't decide. Um, so I'm, <laughs> if anyone knows where I can get one of those, I'd like some knots. Sure. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, I'm, that's where you live, isn't it? Near. Right. I'm coming down to visit you because I want some knots. Any stalkers listening? I don't li- live in Shoreham. <laughs> I live near. You, yeah. you probably aren't that far away from the set of Howard's Way. Do you know? But is it Burlesden or Burzeldon? Burlesden. I don't Burlesden. know what that is. The River Hamble. It's from Hampshire. Is it a bit further Chris, along the coast. Near Chris Tarrant. Yeah. yeah, it's literally where he lives. No, yeah, I don't, I don't know. If that's true. Anyway, yeah. um, Tom is now inspired by his chat with Roy from EastEnders, and has decided that he needs to make, and I quote, a fast cruising ultralight displacement boat. And this phrase gets spoken again and again and again. Like he must be sick of saying it by the end of this series. But he's desperate to drag the Mermaid Yard into the nineteen late nineteen eighties, mid to late nineteen eighties, and he even says at one point to, to Jack, "Wake up, man!" Um, because you know the the, the passion. It, it has to be clear he's very passionate about fiberglass, and uh, and Jack doesn't doesn't countenance anything. Jack that's not made says, of wood. "A boat not made out of wood is not a boat." <laughs> what is it then? I don't know. I really enjoyed that tub. line. <laughs> I just wrote here, Jack really likes wood. <laughs> he loves wood. The yeah. romance of wood. He just he, go, he doesn't stop going on about bloody wood. And the two men are kind of deadlocked. Mm-hmm. And Jack growls at him, we'll see whose yard this is. He's a bit stupid because he must realise that his daughter is already very much siding with the new partner in the business. And his daughter also owns shares in the boatyard. So between the two of them... It's not really his boatyard anymore. They will always countermand anything he says because he's an old dinosaur. Isn't he? Get with the programme. Needs to. Wouldn't Or be murdered. I'd have him murdered. (laughs) Well, I know someone who could do it and he's somewhere (laughs) we could bury the body. But he's not sexually attracted to him, so it won't work. (laughs) Is that that his MO? He's never going to have sex with his decapitated head. This is not how I saw the end of this podcast going. But you no, invited me on this. What did you expect? I did, didn't I? Okay, Sorry. well, you know, lesson learned. <gasps> okay. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, before we go, it's, yeah. now it's become traditional that guests on this podcast... So I hear. ...sing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I warn you first, but um, I, I, you've, you've, you're invited to sing your own version of the theme tune with whatever lyrics that you'd like. Yes. I'd like it not to be about serial killers, but it is entirely up to you. It's not about serial killers. There's no restrictions here. Like, this is a, you know, this is a, this is a safe space. You can sing whatever you like. Okay, what I've done okay. is I've broken... Because you told me it could be about anything. Literally about anything, yeah. I've decided that it'd be more fun okay. to sort of bottle in mm. to 
key plot points in this episode. That's actually quite thoughtful. Yeah. No one else has been that thoughtful. I thought I'd, you know, I, I want to hey. help a brother out. Well, thank you very much. No problem. Um, I'd just like to say, John Rain, thank you for being always there. It was, it was a pleasure. Leo's care. Abby has Leo's care. Jack has had a proper mare as he's obsessed with wood. Like a dick splash, Tom and Jam. Problems like any fan. Luckily for them, they can kiss at the Norton Pog Roast. Done. Great Big Owl.com.